Hello and welcome to the Daily Beard Brushing with Simone and Spencer, the show where I brush my beard and talk about whatever I want to talk about with my babums. Hi. And today, <laughs> my mom is also here. Say hi, mom. Hello. You know, sorry we haven't had anything out. We've been on vacation. I know I promised you guys we would do something while we were on vacation, so this is it. My mom is going to tell us a ghost story today. So why don't you go ahead, Mom, and you can tell us a ghost story. And this is a true ghost story from when my mom was a child, because she actually lived in a haunted house. Okay, and I'm not going to be brushing any beards while I talk, but, <laughs> but I'm sure Spencer is, because he's already kind of brushing his beard. As I, When I was, shortly before I turned eight years old, in February 1970, my mom and dad loaded all five of his kids into a Ford Mustang and a Ford station wagon, and we only took just what belongings would fit in the car, and we went to a temporary job assignment that my dad had for three months at Hillfield in Ogden, Utah. And when my mom and dad had figured they could rent a, a furnished place when we got there, and there was nothing available, and the only house they could find we could only have for three months, which worked because we only planned on being there for three months, but that three months was lengthened out month by month to three years in Utah. Um, so they only found this one house and we were living there, but we had to be out shortly after school got out and school was getting out like that day. And in the mornings, my mom would go to a place called Desert Industries, which was a thrift store and I guess pick up things we needed for our house. But it's kind of when her, her becoming a hoarder of depression glass began. I remember all, all of grandma's old glass yeah when i was a kid <laughs> i loved i actually loved that old glass i was so excited when she'd come home with it and that day as she was leaving desert Industries, she saw for rent sign and so she decided to follow it and it went all the way up the mountains to the o on the mountain which stood for ogden back then they would take rocks and paint them white and then form them into the shape of whatever you know, the first letter of their city was. And this house was right below the O for Ogden. I've seen that in a lot of different cities in Utah. Even today, if I'm driving around Utah, there's several cities. Yeah, that there's some that. that still exist. And so she got there, and there were two people in there cleaning the house. And she knocked on the door, and they let her in, and she talked with them. And they showed her the house, and she said, I'll rent it. I think no matter what, if it was big enough to fit our family, she would have rented it because we were desperate. And so she rented it, and we were able to start moving in the next day in the afternoon, and that was the last day of school, I think. And so we got home from school, my brother Wayne and I, and my mom had the car loaded, and we took off, and we went to the house, and we saw it. And the first thing I noticed was the outside of the house, it was built in pink brick, which was kind of unusual. Yeah, you and, really see that. Yeah, and so I got in the house, and everything, as I explored the house on the up, on the upper level, was pink. The kitchen was pink. The living room was pink. The carpet was pink. The walls were pink. The tile was pink. It, it was pink, and we she, the people had even left some furniture that we could use, and the couch was pink, and, you know, pieces of furniture were pink, and things that were wooden were this 
all the same white or blonde colored wood. And I just remember kind of looking at it and thinking, I'm not sure I like that. And then I noticed in the wall were these holes. And so I asked about them. And my mom showed us that if you plugged these hoses into them, they became vacuums and you could vacuum the room. So it was like a built-in vacuum to the house? Yeah, it was a a built-in vacuum to the house. That's really cool. I've never seen that before. And it seemed really cool that... You know, and I vacuumed my new bedroom, and but when I was in rooms by myself, I was hearing voices, and I went and I said to my mom, I'm hearing voices, and she was like, oh, you know, it's probably just you're hearing Wayne and I talking through the the vacuum vents, the yeah, vacuum it holes. it goes all over the house. It went through the hole upstairs, and so my mom and Wayne, you know, said, we'll talk in front of one, and you go in another room. And I, they did, we did that, and I didn't hear anyone speaking, but after they talked, I heard voices, and it wasn't Mom's voice, and it wasn't Wayne's, but I heard voices. And so, during that day, we unloaded a load of stuff, and then we'd go back to the house that we had been living in, and we'd get another load. And on the second or third load, my mom told Wayne and I we could bring some of our belongings. And now, because we had come to Utah not planning to stay long, we hadn't been allowed to bring much. But Wayne had gotten a used bike while he was there from someone. He'd bought a bike. And um, he says, I want to bring my bike. And so my mom said, okay, you know. And so we unloaded that load of things. And then Wayne asked if he could go explore the neighborhood on the bike. Well, my mom and I went and got the next load. And my mom said, sure, you know, we that's fine. We can do that. And we came back with the next load of things. And Wayne and another kid on a bike came up in front of the house and um, they put their bikes down and they came over to me and Wayne was like, yeah, you know, this kid's telling me that this house is haunted, that the boy that used to live here committed suicide by hanging himself in the basement. And, you know, as an eight-year-old by then, and Wayne would have been nine and a half, that was pretty exciting that, you know, it was a haunted house. Yeah. <laughs> and so the kid said, well, you know, I'll show you where he hung himself. And so we went in the house and down to the basement. And the basement in this house had dark brown shag carpet. And it was dark because basements are dark. But that whole basement just had a really dark, gloomy, almost cold feeling to it. And again, it was a basement. Basements can be cold and gloomy and all those things. Mm-hmm. And um, so the boy took us to the room. I'd forgotten to mention earlier that when my mom rented the house, the people had said, oh, there is a locked room in the basement. And we'll rent you the house, but you can never go into that locked room. We're storing things in there, and you cannot go in that room. So this neighbor boy took us to that room that was locked, and he says, this is where it happened. And so Wayne tried to pick the lock, and he couldn't, but the neighbor... Uh, neighborhood kid kid could and he unlocked the door and we all went in and turned on the light and there were just basically a bunch of boxes and furniture in there Mm -hmm. and it was like a storage room but it but it had been a bedroom at one point because it was carpeted and it had you know the walls were painted so it wasn't like a lot of storage rooms it was actually a bedroom and off in the far corner was a dresser And so we walked over to the dresser, and around the dresser, hanging on the walls, were pictures of a boy 
from the time he was a baby until he was, you know, maybe 18 or 19, probably high school graduation or a little older. Mm-hmm. And on the top of the dresser, there was a picture of him, and there was a mirror that was maybe about 8 by 10 in a frame, and there was a candle that somebody had burned a little ways down, but, you know, it was there, and there was a vase of dead flowers, and there was a crucifix. And I grew up Mormon, so a crucifix to me was a different thing, and I had always been told, oh, you know, as a Mormon. It was almost like part of the occult, being a Mormon. Yeah, um... As a Mormon, I was told, you know, crosses are kind of not, it's not part of our religion. Not that they were bad, but yeah, they had that feeling of something. Oh, for like a Mormon, I imagine it was sort of like like a vampire hunter was the, what you would think of with like a cross, you know. Like yeah, something, like, something oh. crosses just yeah. were something like that. And, and I just, you know, kind of, this whole thing was kind of weird looking to me and strange. And at that point, my mom, before we had a chance to look through boxes or open drawers, my mom came up to the door and said, you know, you get out of that room right now. You know, we're never supposed to go in here. And, you know, and so we quickly got out of the room before we could get the wrath of mom. And <laughs> I, I've felt the wrath of your mother before. Yeah. She, she was a gentle, loving person. But yeah, but, yeah, if you made her mad, <laughs> you know, ready for the wrath. Of course, sometimes you made her mad and you got the wrath of dad which was a lot worse but um anyway so she got us out of there but she did not enter the room she stood in the doorway and she got we got the door locked and she was like you know that room just when i walked up to the doorway that room just felt colder than the rest of the house and so we went back that night we spent the night at at our old house and the next morning We'd borrowed a truck, and we got up and got everything else out of the the first rental and over to the second rental. And, you know, by then it was dinner time, and my mom fixed dinner. And But as it got later in the day, oh, I forgot to mention our dogs. We had two dogs, two dachshunds, and Twister and Rebel, or Tina Twister. I remember your, your mother Rebel. loved dachshunds. Oh, she loved dachshunds. <laughs> <laughs> Too many dachshunds. And... Well, <laughs> I don't love dachshunds. Um, but we got to the house, and the dogs refused to get out of the house, or out of the car. They would not get out of the car. And so my mom eventually had Wayne and I carry them into the house, and they were squirming and trying to get away from us. And we got them into the house, and they immediately ran back to the front door and would just stand there, which was not like these dogs. They would have both taken off to explore the house, and or at least gone closer to one of the, the humans that was there, that was their people. But they wanted to be at the door, and they were whining to get out. And when the door was opened for somebody bringing something in, they quickly ran out, and they ran to the end of the driveway, and they just sat there and whined. And so we were, I guess, you know, that was probably, we brought the dogs over at the very end of our moving that day. Mm-hmm. And so it was probably like around dinner time or something, and... We kept trying to get them to come into the house, and they wouldn't. Eventually, we put them in the backyard and said, okay, fine, you know, you can stay in the backyard. But they, before very long, and my phone is ringing, um, before very long, we discovered they had tunneled under the back gate and had found their way to the end of the driveway. And there they were at the end of the driveway, whining again and crying, 
And so by now it was just starting to get dark. And my mom said, you know, fine, we're just going to put you in the, the station wagon for the night with a blanket. And that's where we left them. And as it got darker and darker out, my mom kept complaining that she was cold and that she felt like she was getting colder. And, you know, she put on a sweater and she did different things and to get warm, but she couldn't get warm. She just got colder. And again, as it got later into the night, she began hearing voices, which I was still hearing, but everyone was ignoring me. And she started hearing those voices and my dad was like, well, they're just coming through those those vents. And my mom was like, no, we tried that with Tina. And they weren't, you know, the voices were coming from somewhere else. And Wayne at that point told my dad about the locked room, which I'm sure my dad had already noticed and just not bothered to go into. And my dad said, oh, well, let's go look at it. You know, show me what you found in there. And so he went and my dad picked the lock and we went in. And before we went in, before we turned on the light, I can remember looking over towards that dresser and there seemed to be just kind of eerie shadows. But to kids, shadows can be pretty eerie. Mm -hmm. But the light from the living room seemed to be casting off of that mirror, you know, creating these shadows. And my dad turned on the light and we walked in and Wayne swore instantly that the boxes in there had been moved around, that things weren't where they had been the day before. And my dad was like, you know, you're silly. That's that's just silly. <laughs> and right then, the light bulb blew in the, the overhead fixture, and the room went into total darkness. And we were about halfway into the room at that point. We hadn't gotten over to what I now realize was probably some sort of weird altar. And so, you know, Wayne and I quickly just ran out. My dad walked out and closed the door, and he says, you know, it's just a storage room. They're just storing furniture and things in there. But my mom could not sleep. She kept hearing voices. She couldn't get warm. And so she took a blanket and a pillow out to the station wagon, and she slept out there that night. She got up in the morning, and she says, we're not living here. I'm not going back into that house except to move my belongings out. She says, I just cannot live in this house. And so... We packed up, we borrowed the truck back and packed it up and got everything out of there. And sometime during that day, my mom had to go over to Roy to pick up my sister, um, one of my sisters. And um, she was driving down a street and she saw a man hammering a for rent sign into his, his lawn. And she pulled over instantly and got out of the car and went up to the man and asked him a few questions about the house. And sight unseen, she says, I'll take it. We have to have this house. I'll take it. And so we moved those belongings from one house, from the second house to the third house, in a space of about three days. <laughs> and the house we moved into, we were pretty much there the rest of the time we were in Utah, which, again, was like three years. And my mom was happy in that house. She enjoyed it. And... um. Ten years later, she was visiting in Utah and decided to drive by the house in Ogden. And she went up the hill and up the hill. And by then, the Ogden O was kind of not repainted. It was You couldn't really see it unless you looked closely. But she drove up the street she thought was the, the right street. 
And the lot that she thought was where the house was, was there's nothing there. It was just a lot, an empty lot. And there was a man down the street mowing his grass. And so she went over to him and asked him, you know, what happened to the house that used to be there? And he says, oh, you know, four or five years ago, there was a fire and it burnt down. And he says the people that were living there had just barely moved out and it was empty. But he says the people who owned the house could never keep renters in the house for longer than a month or so because everyone always said there was something wrong about that house, that it was haunted or something. And so that's the, the haunted house that I lived in as a child. That's pretty good. That's Thank that's, you. Uh, that's that's Crazy. pretty cool. Thank yeah. you for yeah. letting me tell my story. Oh, you're welcome. That was an amazing story. I love listening to to you tell stories. <laughs> you know, it was one of my favorite things as a child was listening to you tell me bedtime stories. But that's a good one. Oh. That's a really good story. You know, I wish I could have heard that from maybe a, a grandpa or grandma as well. You know, heard yeah. different different sides of it and everybody. And, and grandma like telling that. this story. She would have been cool. Oh, it was, she told it probably a lot better than I did. Probably a lot shorter. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I can... it was something that deeply, she would insist till she died, if you asked her about that house. That it was haunted. That it was haunted. And my mom was kind of a little bit sensitive to things like that. And if she said it was haunted, it was haunted. And you've always been sensitive to things like that, too. As was my mom's mom. That's pretty Mm -hmm. cool. Honestly, now if I'm ever in Ogden, I want to try and, like, maybe drive around and see if I can find where that empty lot is. Of course, there's probably a house built there now. They did later build a house. You know, mom and dad moved back to Ogden area. I know where the big O is, and I kind of know right right around, because we've driven around Ogden before. Yeah, and it was in one of the last streets before you hit the O, and then Mm -hmm. a short hike up to it. And which is one of the things Wayne did. I didn't ever go up to the O, but well, in that three days that we were there, Wayne, you know, went up to the O with his new friend, and that's something I probably would have done. Yeah, my boys all would have wanted to just may have become a hangout spot or something. But alrighty, listeners, we hope that you enjoyed listening to my mother tell her ghost story, and we will. Have another recording for you about our road trip within the next day or two. We love you all and thank you for listening. Like and subscribe.